Man, in the middle of worship, he leans over and tells me that that's our own Virginia, our little Jenny. And um, I mean, I just couldn't stop. I got so excited about that um, because I've got to see Jenny just growing the Lord here. And Mary Alex Nobles, Mary Nobles was the woman that was singing here. I met them the first day we launched the church on 2006, January, whatever that day was, a long time ago. And I watched Alex grow up and marry this wonderful young girl. And what's neat about that is not only did she get saved out of y'all's ministry, she, um, she serves now our junior high ministry. And so her and her husband are, are down there right now serving next generation people, serving children. You know, no wonder she wants to serve those junior hires because there's a church where she gave her life to Jesus. Amen? Man, thank you so much, Donis. Thank you so much. Yeah, Amy and I, we believe in, in foster work. You know, we were respite workers in Ohio. Um, it's one of those things where we have five children, and we have no more rooms in our house. But, but in Ohio, we were just starting out, and um, we almost adopted a young boy. There was a sibling unit of five children, and the oldest boy they didn't want. And people were going to adopt four of them. And it just broke our heart. And Amy and I were going through the process. And finally, the people that were adopting the four decided to adopt the whole family unit. Thank God. And they did. But, um, but yeah, we almost had a child before Adelie that was an adopted child that we were just broken hearted that, that this family wasn't sure they wanted him because he was older. And, and so um, I just, if we can as a church partner with Donis, it'd be wonderful when this service is over, as he said, go downstairs for a brief meeting um, just to get the next steps. And, um, and I'm telling you, it'll be rewarding in your life. It's been rewarding in our family's life. Even to this day, so many foster sisters and brothers, and because I was older than a lot of them, um, uncle, I'm Uncle Ross, I can't tell you how many, and Aunt Amy, it's just the neatest thing. So this morning, I've come to this service with kind of a heavy heart. I'm just going to be honest. Um, how many know that sometimes the church will go through some stuff, Amen. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about the four walls, the building, I'm talking about the people. Everybody tap yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the people of this house at times face things. And as a pastor, I got stuff I deal with. How many know you all deal with stuff, right? I deal with stuff too. But then it gets compounded because as a pastor, my heart, I do, I, 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 I feel the burden of the stuff you guys go through. And it should be that way, amen? You should be in a small group where that small group leader is helping to feel the burden of the stuff you're going through. You ought to be in a ministry team where the ministry teammates are helping to feel the burden of the stuff you're... We ought to feel the burden of the stuff people are going through. Amen? I believe that with all my heart. But man, it gets heavy sometimes. And over the last month or so, two months or so, so much has been facing our people. And, and, and I, just, I just want to preach a word to that today. You know, I, literally in the last two weeks, I had three different people come up, and they told me they got rift. A guy comes up and goes, I got rift. How many knows what that means? Nor did I. And I thought, is that something you should be telling in public? You know, dude, I got rift. No, I'm teasing. I'm kidding. I didn't know what it meant. It means reduction in force. They got laid off. Had been at that job just shy of 20 years. My gosh. Another woman had been in her job several years, and she got rift. Another man, seven years, and he got rift. And, man, these are people who are, are just solid people serving the Lord, loving Jesus, blindsided by this. Just dumped upon them. How many's ever been blindsided by something? Something just got dumped upon you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so that happened. Over the last two weeks, two different people in the church have been diagnosed with cancer in the last two weeks, you know? And so we're dealing with helping them take those next steps and praying with them. And they're getting diagnoses and next steps of treatment and such. One of my foster sisters calls me about a month ago. And she's like, you know, Rossi, she said, my husband is leaving me. And what breaks my heart is 
for her, the last few years, she's told us of her new spiritual family because her husband's a part of a, a church family, and, 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 and it's the first time she says she's really been about a community since she left mom and daddy's house years ago, about 15 years ago when she left, and it's the first time where she goes, I just feel like I got a church family, you know, around me, and all of a sudden, about a month ago, that husband decided to end the marriage. And so all month long we've been trying, my sister and I have been reaching out to our foster sister just trying to help her cope through, through this. And, and it's final. She's supposed to get served papers this week. And she's just broken, you know. And so all those things are in her mind. And, and at the beginning of the week we went to a thing called the District Council. It's our Assemblies of God annual meeting. And we went to it. And our superintendent had told us that he would be stepping down this year. He's going to retire. And so on Tuesday morning, he preached the word, and it was this scripture. And I just thought, my gosh, I cannot not preach this scripture. It wasn't that I didn't have a word. It was that I needed this word for today. I needed it for me this week. And I just could not take this scripture and not apply it to us. And obviously, I, I, I've shifted it up a little bit just because I preach the way I preach, right? But I just couldn't not take this passage of scripture and look at it. And the truth is, so much at times we face, so much stuff gets dumped on us at times that it makes it difficult to see the goodness of God sometimes. And there may be some people in this room right now, you're angry and you're frustrated with the Lord. It's one of those things to where, can I tell you, it's, this is a, 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 a zone where it's okay to be mad at God a little bit. Is that all right? Is that okay? To where, you know, I, you've heard me tell that story before. Some of you, if you're new, you haven't. Where I was upset with the Lord, and, and um, man, I'm looking at God, and I'm like, God, it's not like I'm trying to sell crack cocaine down here, trying to get people saved and build a church. <laughs> We're struggling, you know, financially struggling to grow. This is years ago, and, and uh, man, even those when you're trying to strive after the Lord and do the things that are right, sometimes crap happens. I shouldn't have said that. That was the wrong word. You, you pull the potty words out of me. I looked at you and said a potty word, right? There. No, I'm teasing. No. <laughs> it's his fault. So, no, but stuff happens. Yeah, it does. I want you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 9. And here at the church, we always stand to our feet as we honor God's word. And so I want to read through a narrative here out of the New Testament. And it's a story where there was a man who had been blind from birth, and Jesus begins to do ministry to him. And man, God's going to show us some stuff. And, and to be quite honest, I may not be here preaching to everybody today. I'm just being honest, all right? But if you're here hurting today, I've come to speak to you. If you're here hurting today, the Holy Spirit has a word for you. And if that's not you, that's all right. Intercede with us. Pray with us. Ask God to touch people's hearts with us. Amen? And so it says this, as he went along, Jesus, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, you felt that way before. What have I done wrong that is causing all this mess? Never tithe the day of my life. I start tithing, and then everything falls apart. What in the world? <laughs> Hadn't been to church, started going to church, and now things are in, uh, in opposition. You know, just, I'm trying to do right, God. It says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Say, so that, so that. The, works of God the works of God might be displayed. Might be displayed. Say it one more time. So that... The works of God, works of God. Might, be might be displayed. Well, I'm so glad God can get some glory out of my trouble. <laughs> you ever, <laughs> just be honest. It's like, well, great. Can't you figure out another way? Because this way doesn't feel good. This way stinks. I'm just being, I mean, am I, am, am I alone in that? Well, Jesus, I'm glad you get glory. 
you know, because it's glory for me, glory for you, you know. <laughs> but no, there's a reason. We're going to get to this here because he's good. Shout, he's good. He says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. This is why I love the word of God. So fun. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly been seen in begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Yeah, it's me. It's me. I remember. I remember I was blind, but now I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the story. This is that, you, you've read this before. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes and he told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Over the next few minutes, I want to preach on the subject of my mess, my mud, and my miracle. Amen. I want to say that again, and I want you to get a little excited about that. My mess, my mud, and my miracle. Can you say it? Say my mess, my, mess. my, mud. my mud, my miracle. My miracle. One more time. My mess, my, mess. my mud, and my, my miracle. Father, would you visit with us today? Would you build our hope? Would you build our faith? Lord God, we just, we want to trust you, but sometimes we just, you confuse us. We want to lean into you, but sometimes we feel like you're not leaning into us. We know you're the God of the miraculous, but Lord, it looks like you're touching everybody else right now, but not me. Lord, would you help visit us today and just restore our hope and our confidence, not in getting a miracle, but just in knowing that you never left us through this mess. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have your seat, if you will. Now, when you look at this passage of Scripture, you know, the question obviously comes forth in our minds, why is this man suffering? You know, I mean, that's the question. They're, they're wanting to know. The people are wanting. Okay, he's blind. Was his mom a sinner? Daddy a sinner? Was he a sinner? You know, why is this man suffering? And when it comes down to it, the truth of the matter is, yes, they're all sinners, but that's not the reason why he's suffering. How many know every one of us are sinners? Every one of us, you know, that's why we struggle with the idea of why does bad things happen to good people? Can I just tell you something right now? There's no good people. There, it's easy. It's already said, you know, look at somebody beside you and say, you're not good. No, you know why? Because you're not God, but you can be godly. Amen? You can walk in his holiness. You can walk in his righteousness. And you can grow in his goodness. But in our nature, that sinful nature, nobody, nobody's good, you know? That's why he came to redeem us and set us free. That's why we have a relationship. That's why we need him so much. That's why two men, oh my gosh, the one guy, Russell, that got baptized, he barely fit in this. If you were in the first service, I, slide down, slide down. I'm measuring him. I'm like, okay, we're all right. This guy was a giant of a man. You know, but when it came down to it, nobody was good. But they submitted to the leadership of Jesus, and he saved them. Amen? Just like you. You submit to his leadership, and he saves you. And so, yeah, yeah, when it comes down here, this idea of why, why is this man suffering? Well, the scripture shows us why. It says, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So does God cause the suffering, or is the suffering already a part of this world? It's already part of this world, okay? It's just, it's, just, it's just the well we have to drink from because it's part of this world. Now, thank God we have an opportunity to drink from another well, amen? 
We have an opportunity to lean in on Jesus through all this stuff. But when it comes down to it, literally, this is a fallen place, and there's stuff that happens, and in the midst of it, God intersects that to bring life and healing and miracles and his touch in our lives, and that's a beautiful thing, but at times we can get very frustrated because, okay, Lord, I get it. You're going to do this to show your works, your power, your grace, but I'm the one going through it. I'm the one dealing with this. And so I just want to look at that a little bit today, and I love that idea, what my superintendent was preaching on, and I kind of jumped off of it, but what he was preaching on was that word, so that. Say, so that. And so in this, you can see God is allowing things to happen so that his grace can be seen. And I don't know about you guys, I love to look back at stuff and go, oh, God, I saw you in all of that. Don't you like looking back? Yeah. You know, I heard it said that, that, that living by faith is fun when it's done, <laughs> like when it's over. But if you're living by faith right now, how many know not so fun? You got relationships that aren't restored, not so fun. Health that is circumspect right now, not so fun. You know, dealing with addiction or, or struggle, not so fun. But you come through it. How many's been through some stuff? Be honest, you've been through some stuff. You got on the other side. You look back, oh Lord, yeah, that's awesome, God. I saw your hand. But in the middle of it, you're going, gosh, Lord, where are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, this has shown us that he was there all along so that he could be seen, so that his grace could be felt. And I'm just telling you right now, I don't care how messy the mud is, I don't care how bad it is right now, man, his miracle is coming to you. That grace is coming, that power is on its way, amen? And so in the moment, God's power in our life, God and his grace in our life, it can be evident, it can be seen through this. And so I know that you're going through some stuff, but I came here this morning to declare it's so that, shout so that, so that. you will see the power of God manifest. It's so that, shout so that, so that. you will know that his grace is sufficient. You know, I, I'm thinking about the Old Testament. You know, when you think about stories in the Old Testament, there's just so many stories where you saw God's hand take people through some difficult times, and the promise that was on their life wasn't lost because of the problems that they were facing. The promises may have felt delayed, but you've heard preachers say, you know, just because it's delayed doesn't mean it's denied. Amen? And so we see that with a man by the name of Joseph. You guys remember little Joseph and his technocolor, technocolored robe, right? His coat of many colors. Listen, Joseph was made a coat of many colors by his dad so that he would know his father's favor. Joseph shared that dream of his God's favor on his life with his brothers so that they would know his promise, the promise of God on his life. This favor, guess what happened? It angered the brothers and they threw him into a pit so that he would die. Shout, so that. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This favor and angered him, and they put him in the pit. His brother Reuben stepped up, thank God, and saved him so that he wouldn't die, but rather they sold him to a caravan heading to Egypt so that he could be sold into Potiphar's house as a servant. Well, great. I mean, I'm going from the pit, now I'm going into Potiphar's house to work as a servant, you know? And now here's the thing, Potiphar had this wife so that in that Potiphar's house, he could gain the attention of Potiphar's wife so that she could accuse him of attacking her so that he could be thrown into prison. Glory to God. 
Now, Joseph, man, he was a good-looking guy. He was, he was like fireman fine. Not that I think that, but that's what, that's what Stephanie says about her man, Tom. And then I had another fireman come up, and his wife in the first service, Michael and Jessica, and they thanked me for the same comment because she's like, that's my fine fireman, you know. And so, but, but that's Joseph. And so Potiphar's wife puts the moves on him, and next thing you know, he winds up in prison. Why? So that he could befriend a baker and a cupbearer that were workers of the king who had gotten into, in trouble, and they had thrown them into prison. And he's there. Why? So that years later, he was able to interpret their dreams. So that when they got out, or rather when the cupbearer got out years later when he was working for the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh had a dream, he was able to tell him of Joseph in prison who interprets dreams. So that this brought the Pharaoh's favor upon Joseph. Joseph brings him out, or rather the Pharaoh brings him out to interpret Pharaoh's dream, which revealed a coming famine. Famines are bad, right? So that Joseph could, under the wisdom of God, provide a plan to not only have enough grain for Egypt when the famine came, but also enough for surrounding countries. I bet you don't know what I'm going to say next. Yeah, Joseph would not only see the fulfillment of those dreams. You know what happens? Watch this. I love this. So that his, his, this brought the Pharaoh's favor so that Joseph was placed eventually as second in command of the country so that J- Jacob, Joseph's father, would send his sons to Egypt to request grain for his household so that the brothers would, who once plotted to kill Joseph, they would be making that request at the feet of their brother, unbeknownst to them, fulfilling the dream that the brother had so many years. So that Joseph would not only see the fulfillment of the dream of favor that he shared with his brothers decades before, but now also he would have the opportunity to show the grace of the Lord to his family. Amen? Years and years in the making, this guy went through it. But God's power and God's grace was shown. This miracle rising up out of the mud and mess was years in the making. But God was so faithful that not one thing promised did not come to pass. And I want to tell you right now, right now, whatever you're going through, it may be years in the making. There may be a whole lot of mud that you're dealing with, a whole lot of mess that's holding you back. But I'm telling you, God's promises are not slack. God's promises are yea and amen. Hold fast, hold on, because your miracle in the midst of the mess is on its way. Can you give God some praise? Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Amen. John chapter 9, verse 3, we've been looking at the scripture, it says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed. And we see that to this day, we talk about the works of the Lord through Joseph. We also talk about the works of the Lord through Moses. Watch this, Moses was born to a young Jewish girl, but a decree went throughout the land that all Hebrew boys, two years old and under, they are going to have to be killed. So that she put him in a basket and she hid Moses in the bulrushes along the side of the river. So that when the Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe at the river, she found the baby and she took him into the place to be raised as her own. But she needed someone to feed this baby so that she had a Hebrew woman found to nurse Moses. Check this out, though. That was Moses' mother. Don't tell me in the midst of your mess that God's not bringing you those little coincidences, those little little leadings of his spirit, those little things that you're seeing his hand. Yeah, that was Moses' mother, and she was able to raise him to understand that he was a Hebrew so that he could have that connection to those people, the Hebrew people, so that as an adult, when he saw a fellow Hebrew being abused by a slave master, he struck the man down so that another Egyptian said words that put fear in Moses so that Moses would flee to Midian, and he began the life of a shepherd at about the 
the age of 40, so that one day God could speak to him from a burning bush to go to Pharaoh and to demand the release of the Jewish people from slavery. Forty years in Midian, 40 years, worried about his fellow Hebrews, but had no thought that he could ever save them. Forty years of learning skills and gaining understanding on how to move sheep from one place to another so that he could lead Hebrews to the promised land. Amen? So that God can make them a powerful nation that reveals even to this day his grace and his ability to keep a people through extreme adversity. That's the God that we serve. Amen? Amen? 400 years they were in that mess of Egyptian slavery. 400 years. And you may say, Pastor, I feel like that. It's been a decade I've been going through this. It's been so long. I'm waiting for this to turn around. 400 years they were in that mess. But out of that mud of ministry, a miracle was in the making. I look at every one of you. You guys don't know how good church is for your pastor. Because every time I come in here and I look at you, it just is a reminder to me that what the enemy tried to destroy year after year after year in the early days of this ministry, no devil in hell can keep the, the church from moving forward. No gates of hell could come against the church of Jesus. Amen? Amen? And man, I know we're just a little small part of the church of Jesus, but we are. And I'm so thankful when I see you guys. It's like years, I felt years. And you're the fruit of what God's doing. Amen? That out of that mud and misery and pain and struggle, God was doing some awesome stuff. And I see you guys as just the fruit. You know what's funny about that is I don't know if you saw what I just did. I just turned my hearing aid up. <laughs> and so I thought it was my hearing aid issue. Now here's the thing. Because I, I, I have ADD and this doesn't work, all I'll think about the whole time is I have something on my head that doesn't work. And, and I'll just think about that the whole time. So. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, that was funny because I heard it and I thought, oh, it's my hearing aid. Somehow it's just calibrated low. So I kicked it up. And I'm like, oh, I'm hearing good now. <laughs> I have like my own monitor system everywhere I go. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So that, there we go. So that on the night Peter denied Jesus, right, so that, that the words of Jesus would come to pass, that Peter would deny him three times. Because Jesus said that would be so. And that happened. Through the process, Jesus was condemned to death so that he could be wounded for our transgressions. He could be bruised for our iniquities. So the chastisement would come upon him so that we could have peace. And that by his stripes, we could be healed. Amen? Man, was it worth it all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now Peter's a part of this mix now, right? So watch this. Through the process, Jesus is condemned to death for all that so that Jesus would become the ultimate sacrifice for man's sin so that three days later he would arise victorious. Don't forget about Peter. So that Jesus could tell the women that came to him at the tomb. Now watch this. This is before they realized that he was Jesus. And they come to the tomb, and Jesus was able to tell them, go tell my, he didn't say my, he said his disciples. Because they didn't know it was Jesus. Go tell his disciples and Peter 
that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Do you catch that? How tender Jesus was? This man denies him three times. And he wanted to be sure that in the midst of that struggle, that Peter realized that his grace was sufficient. Go tell my disciples and Peter. Let Peter know too. Peter's a part of it. He's going to discount himself. You go through stuff and you start to discount that you're even a part of the band of believers anymore. You go through stuff and you start to think, my journey group doesn't want me around. You go through stuff, my church doesn't want me around. You go through stuff and, and nobody understands what I'm feeling. Nobody understands what I'm going through. And you start to distance. Jesus knew that. And he knew Peter was beating himself up. And he said, tell my disciples and Peter. That's my boy. I haven't stopped having grace for him. I haven't stopped with a heart to have power for him. There's a promise on that man's life because I said, upon that rock, I will build my church. There's a promise on that man's life that he's gonna feed my, my sheep. There's a promise on him. Now watch this. And Peter, I love it. So that God could show his grace is truly sufficient. And on the day of Pentecost, it was Peter who preached the first sermon of the church so that we can see how our mistakes... Our sins and our shortcomings cannot keep us from walking in the promises of the power and provision of God. Amen? I thank God for that story of, of hope for us. And Peter, he was blinded by fear, and the mud of ridicule was allowed to be thrown on him, but it didn't keep him from what God had planned for his life. Why? But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed. Yeah, you're going through some stuff. My mess. My mud. But get ready for your miracle as well. Amen? Can you give God some praise? I just want to just celebrate Jesus in here. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So the scripture goes on in John chapter 9. Let's go back to the story a little bit. Verse 5 through 6. It says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is saying in the midst of all this. And when I heard that, as I read it to my mind, I thought this. Well, sometimes I hear what feels like empty promises. You know, in the midst of all this, telling it to a blind man and saying, but I am the light of the world. And if you know the story we just saw, he doesn't just touch him and he sees. I'm the light of the world. Here's some mud for your eyes. It's like he makes it worse, you know. How many of you felt that before where it's just like, man, I don't want to hear the promises of God. I'm almost rebelling against hearing the goodness of the Lord. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this, yeah just two days ago, I got a call from a mom, and she says, Pastor, can you get to me? And I was driving to church that morning, and as I'm going down the road, I'm like, yeah, what's going on? She says, my oldest daughter, who I've never met before, my oldest daughter is in a hotel, and she is suicidal. And then I hear the oldest daughter, don't let your effing pastor. I'm sorry. I am glad that I get to be people's effing pastor. Can I tell you that? I'm just, I'm just being honest. So she says, she don't let your effing pastor come, you know, blah, blah. And I hear it, and I'm just like, oh, Lord. So I, I, the lady, I get off the phone with her, and the whole way there, I start to pray. And, and I'm just, this is just the way it works for, in my life, okay? So I start to pray, God, help me make a connection with this girl. You know, I know she's young, 20-something. What am I going to say, you know? I mean, I'm thoroughly middle-aged now. <laughs> there was a time I thought I was still kind of young and cool. I'm not. <laughs> okay, I get it. And I'm just like, Lord, what am I, I going to do? What am I going to say? And for me, I don't know how it works for you. For me, ever since I was young in ministry, I pray in the Holy Spirit, okay? And so I'm not going there and praying in the Holy Spirit because I'm not going to freak people out. But I'm praying in the Holy Spirit so that when I get there, I can move and act under the unction of the Holy Spirit. 
and leadership of the Lord, you know? And so the whole time, I just begin to pray in the Spirit. When I get there, I walk into the room, and she's sitting with her back to me on that far bed, looking out the window. And as I walk up, she's like, now, here you go. I'm going to start cussing in front of the preacher. I'm going to start cussing in front of the preacher. And so I walk up to her, and I just said, I just looked at her, and she says to me, you know, don't be upset if I cuss in front of you. And I just said, honey, you cuss all you want. And I don't know where this came from. This is that, that praying and getting ready ahead of time. The Lord just put it in me. I, I said, honey, you can cuss all you want as long as you'll let me hold you. I don't know where that came from. You don't, you don't do, that's weird, you know. I'm not saying touching is weird. I'm just saying like, never met this person before, sitting on a bed, and, and, but it just poured out. You know, honey, it's okay. You cuss all you want as long as you let me hold you. That little girl, she looked up at me and fell into my, right into my, in my, my right under my arms, you know. I just grabbed her and held her and started praying. And she started saying, words don't work. Prayer doesn't work. God's never done anything for me. Dealt with depression for about seven years. It's a chemical issue that she's going through. She got off meds, and now she's in a cycle. But in that moment, God's never done anything for me. In that moment, it was that promise, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Yeah, yeah, Shh, I sure feel like I'm in darkness. I've been praying, but I'm not seeing the light. And that's what this young woman, that mud was getting packed on deep, you know. And so I'm standing there, I just, I just held her and prayed. And then I went and I turned and I sat down on the air conditioner. And I had my hands kind of in front of me and I just start talking to her. She reaches out and grabs my hand. I mean, I'm, dude, it was a, she grabs my hand. So I grab hers and I'm, I'm patting her. And I tell her, I got girls about your age, honey. And I'm just talking with her. And, and, and we're going to get you through this kind of thing. And, and then I talk to mom. I said, okay, if I talk to mom. And, and long story short, she was so good at allowing us to take those next steps with her. You know, in those situations, I've been in it too many times, you know, there's, there's basically three options. A parent or family member takes them to the hospital with their willfulness, or you have to call 911, and the paramedics come, and the, and the um, firemen, or the police come. And so then you have to help them understand, go with the firemen. They're a lot better looking than the police. Not that they're better looking. It's just if you go with the firemen, you get to sit in the back of an ambulance. If you go with the police... You feel like a criminal. I'm just being honest. And so you try to help. We didn't have to do that. This little girl became so compliant because of the Holy Spirit. It, was the, it blew my mind. Within 30 minutes or so, she's on my arm and leaning on my shoulder, and I'm walking her to her car. And we get her to the car, and we put her in the car, and the mama hugs her, and her beau hugs her, her boyfriend hugs her. And then I'm standing there talking to her boyfriend, and he goes, I don't know what you did. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, she wouldn't let any of us touch her this morning. We tried, and she tried to find a latch on the window to jump out the fourth-story window of this hotel. No, she wouldn't let any of us get near her. And I don't know what, I, I touched him on the chest. I said, it was Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus did that. It wasn't me, because I was in turmoil. I'm praying the whole way, going, God, something, make a connection. And when he did, it was just like, oh, I'm feeling this. And I'm going, this is you, Jesus. You're showing up. I just got to ride that way. That's all I got to do is just stay in step with you. What do you want to do next? You want to put mud in her face? I'll put mud in her face. <laughs> he didn't tell me to do that, thank God. <laughs> but I do feel led to spit on Marvin right now. I don't know why. I just, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, years ago, this isn't in the notes. This is just that benefit that you get when you're in the second service and we don't have a time limit. Um, 
when I was a kid, there was a Puerto Rican preacher that would preach with my father at different tent revivals and stuff. And um, his name was um, Angel de Jesus, but he liked to be called Angel of Jesus. And so that was, <laughs> was the only Hispanic I ever said, they learned that would correct you and say, it's to Jesus. He liked, the, he liked that, the Jesus part. And so my friend Angel, and he would be preaching. He'd take a bottle of water, and he was like, glory to God, and he would take it like this, and all that water would fly out on people. How many seen some stuff before in church? Yeah, that was, it made a mark. <laughs> that was, I remember it. <laughs> Don't make me wet, Jesus. Don't do this happen. You know. All right, so here's what happens. Listen to this. So basically, I'm sitting here ministering to this lady, and I told the guy, I said, it's Jesus did that. And he goes, well, he sure did. And then I explained to him how he's real. Jesus is real. You kids need to have him in your life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but here's the thing. There's still mud, y'all. I mean, that little girl right now is in treatment. She's in the hospital. They're checking things out. I mean, it's just seven years of dealing with this. That mama's in the mud, you know? And so I want that miracle to happen right now. But it doesn't always happen right now. But I could see a little bit of a miracle in the midst of that mess on Thursday morning. I could see it. Amen? And so listen, verse 6, after saying this, he spit on the ground, he made some mud with saliva, and he put it on the man's eye. Yeah, here's this promise of seeing, this promise of light, and now I'm going to put more mud on you. And Jesus used dirt to bring about a miracle. The man was blind, and Jesus put dirt in his eyes, almost adding insult to injury, you know? It's like, I'm already blind, and now you're going to put mud in my eye? How many of you felt that way before? I'm already broke, and now something else is broken down in my life? Man, my health isn't good already, and now this? Man, my, 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 I've been praying for my child, and now that? You know, just like almost an insult and injury. It's like, I can't take no more mud. I can't take nothing else getting added to it, you know? But Jesus used dirt to bring about a miracle. This week, a friend of mine who's a pastor in Atlanta, pastors in one of the, the harder areas of metro Atlanta, he calls me, and a few years ago, his daughter's 16 now. She was nine years old when he adopted her. And he adopted her. She had a troubled youth, a troubled childhood. And he adopted her. And they saw signs of that trouble, you know. And, and that's been something they've been dealing with and praying through and, and just believing God for miracles in her life and counseling and all those things. And, and now as she's reached the age of 16, some things are happening in her decisions. And she's made some really bad decisions. And so my friend calls me. He's like, we're not calling a lot of people but we need to send her to a program that's six months, and, and it's just for girls going through stuff like this, but it costs $16,000, Ross. And I'm just asking some of my closest pastor friends if they would help us take care of our family, you know? And our, our district's already popped in some finances, and they ask us, and, and can I just tell you guys, because of your faithfulness and giving, in the midst of mud being packed on to this family, you guys were able to bring $2,700 of relief to that family. <laughs> Amen. Here's the thing about that $2,700. It's enough for them to be able to get their flights. It's enough for them to be able to take her this week to the program and get things started. Amen. So she is going this week to start the program, amen? And I know God's going to bring the rest of the finances for them. They have other pastor friends. But I, the reason why I think that's so neat is what I want to tell you is in February and March, we had some of the hardest times of this ministry in, 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 in years, you know, just tough, relational, tough times. And with it, a lot of struggles that could have really affected the finances of the church. But you know why we were able to do that, 2700 Partly just because you were faithful, but not that. On the backside of the mud... On the backside of the mess, 
April was the highest giving month we've ever had in the history of this church. I just feel like God was just saying, it's all right. It's all right. There's a miracle in the mess. Just hold fast. Just hold on, you know. Man, God's preparing us to do some great things, amen. In the month of June, I'm going to be doing a series called Stranger Things. Yeah, that's clever. But we're going to be talking about the person of the Holy Spirit and how the things of God, how we move in that. Listen, you can't make a move of God. You guys know that, right? But we sure can prepare ourselves for a revival. We can prepare ourselves for what he wants to do with us. I, I don't know what that looks like, but I just want to lean into that. Why? Because people are going through stuff, and we can either downgrade our experience or we can upgrade our theology. I'm all for upgrading our theology, you know? And believe that God of the miraculous is still the God of the miraculous. And how do we tap in? How do we connect and see him do what he desires? But in the last couple of months, man, it was hard around here, you know? And God showed forth that way. Another way that we were able to bless, there's a retired pastor and his wife that have been coming to our church since last May. They retired from Michigan and they came down here. And, um, and their last post just beat them up, you know? That happens. That, you church people. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I got good church people, but it was just a really rough experience for them, and they're just here, and, I'm, and they're retired now, and I'm telling you guys, because of your faithfulness, again, on the backside of a crazy month, we were able to bless them to be able to go to district council, and we just covered everything for two days for them, you know? Hotel, food, just you go and enjoy yourselves, you know? Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. That's, that's just good seed sown, you know? And so, again, on the backside of a lot of, a lot of mud, and I'm just so thankful for what the Lord did. And so the mud was getting applied, but we experienced, like I said, the highest month ever for tithes and offerings. John 9, 10 through 11, as we close, how then were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man who was called Jesus made clay, and he anointed my eyes, and he said to me, go, shout go. Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and I washed and I received my sight. It wasn't an instantaneous miracle. He had to go. There was still some action. Don't, don't hold back if you're not receiving your miracle and complain about the mud. Ask God, I feel muddy. Where do I need to go? I, I feel stuff getting dumped on me. Well, what's that next step? And just do the next step, you know? Often it's only at the end of our obedience that we can finally see, you know? I got a call a few years ago from a young man, and he said, my friend is held up in a hotel. I don't know what it is about hotels, but he said, my friend is in a hotel, and he's been basically in a drug-induced stupor for a few days. He's talking all crazy stuff. He's seeing demons and all sorts of stuff. So I was able to get the guy on the phone, and people were able to get there to him. And so long story short, the next morning, he comes to my office so I can sit and talk with him and his mom. And this guy's 30, 35 years old, you know, had been dealing with struggles since he was 16. And so he comes to the office and begins to tell me about his life and his struggles. And in it, simply, it was just, listen, you need Jesus. I mean, there was no real preaching. It was just, you need a relationship with Jesus. He didn't have that. He let me pray with him to come to salvation in that moment, all right? Now, here's what's crazy about this. He accepts Jesus. And now, there's, your mom's not letting you back. We got to get you in a program to get you help. He's got mud, tons of mud, right? And he's willing 
to get into a program. Two days later, another friend of mine takes him to a program in Florida, and that young man goes through a residential program in Florida, and this is a few years ago. Now, it blows my mind. He's serving the Lord in ministry in North Carolina. He's getting married. The church loves him. He loves the church. The young man constantly is thanking me for leading him to Jesus. I'm like, I didn't do nothing. I prayed one prayer with this guy and sent him to Florida. I mean, I'm being honest. I mean, it was, but Andrew, he was obedient. This will help me? Yeah, buddy, it'll help you. Okay, I'm going to find my salon. I'm going to go wash my face. I'm done being demonized. I'm done being plagued by addiction. I'm done with all this. And if you say I need to go, I'm going to go. You tell me what to do that next step, I'm doing it. Well, get saved. I'm getting saved. I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. You know, we'll go to this program. I'll do that too. You just, we need more of that when we're going through stuff. Lord, I'm not going to get bitter. Lord, help, tell me what that next step is. Because then through that obedience, I can finally see. Don't you hate it that it's 2020 vision? Is, 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 is hindsight is 2020 vision. You know, you can always look back and, yeah, God, I saw you in that. But it feels good to know I see you in that. And I just want to encourage us as a church to realize there's times we're going through stuff, but just keep holding fast. Don't let all the mud fool you. Don't let it, don't, don't let it discourage you, you know. You may say, I don't understand it, or I can't figure it out, but I'm just going to stay obedient. Because when you do, God enters into that mess with you. And that miracle is this close to coming. And so what I want us to do is stand to our feet. I'm going to share one last scripture. I know I've went a little long. And I want to just say one statement. As you're going through stuff, don't waste your sorrows. All right? Don't waste your sorrows. Those hard hardships, don't waste them, you know? God's in the middle of this with you. Listen, in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I'm going through some stuff. If I'm going through it, what should I do? Well, I should stay sober-minded. I'm not going to go to some substance to take care of my, my need. I'm going to stay sober-minded. I'm going to be watchful because my adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I'm going to resist him firm in my faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, shout so that. After you've been through some stuff, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Isn't that good? All the stuff the enemy's tried to steal. Hold fast. Because in the midst of that mud, there's a miracle that's waiting to happen. And don't waste your sorrows. In the middle of your mess, praise him. Really? Yeah, that's what it's saying. Watch this. Verse 11, to him be the dominion forever and ever, and amen. He's telling people, get ready because you're going to go through some stuff. But you know what? He has ruling authority. That's what dominion means. And I'm going to praise him because I don't care what I'm going through. He has ruling. God has ruling authority. And if he's letting me go through this, there's a reason. I'm going to lean into him. And in the middle of this, God, you're going to bring forth the miracle that you desire. And when you do that, your and your power will be seen and your grace will be evident. Amen? There is a miracle that's waiting in the midst of your mess. Don't let all the mud fool you. It's there. 
It's there. And as we close our service today, I'm going to close in prayer, and Pastor Brantley will dismiss, but we've started something new. You saw us last week have prayer partners at the altar, and sometimes we'll pray during service. You know that. During worship or after the sermon, we'll have some more worship and we'll pray. But I really felt the Lord impressing in my heart. I don't want anyone ever that needs an opportunity for personal prayer to leave this place without it, you know? And so from now on, like I said, we cannot make a move of God happen, but we can be prepared for Him. And so from now on, as service ends, if we don't have prayer during service, a prayer partner, a couple, will come to the altar, and they'll be here ready to pray for you. So if you're here today, as you leave, if you need personal prayer, God wants to meet you at this altar. Amen? God wants to touch your heart. God wants to restore. He wants to confirm. He wants to establish. He wants to strengthen. That's what He wants to do. And don't let that mud fool you. Amen? Can you say this? I want you to say, thank you, Lord, for my mess. Thank you, Lord, for my mud. Thank you, Lord, for my miracle. Father, I praise you that you're on the scene of each person's situation in this room. You're good. You're faithful. We lean into you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as we close out, yeah, that's a good place to clap if you want. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.